0: So uh, I recently started going back to the gym um, and trying to get back in shape and, and doing all the things that you're supposed to do when you get to be middle aged. And I've never been a gym person. Um, it's really weird. Um, gym people are weird. I've noticed. Um, it's just it's a different culture. And I much prefer like the, the the potato chips Netflix group. You guys are my people. But apparently my doctor disagrees with that lifestyle. Um, and so this past week I find myself kind of at the gym and. I'll be honest, I don't really know what I'm doing. Like, I'm still figuring it out. Um, I watch a lot of other people and hope that they know what they're doing. If they do it confidently enough, I just assume that they're doing it the right way. Um, But uh, last week, I'm, I'm preparing for the week by praying about what I should talk about, right? I still haven't decided. Um, like we're in this series unchanged, right? And we're, we're, we're in that, but I didn't have a topic yet or direction. And um, I see this young lady, she, like, um, she lifts, she's got one of the dumbbell things and she does like a couple curls and then she stands in front of the mirror <laughs> and starts taking pictures of herself, right? And I'm like, that's weird. And then she picks it up again. So it was like six pictures three curls, six pictures, three curls, dance around. She had to check out her booty, which I didn't understand. I like, you're working out your arms. I don't know if you know how this works. I know more than that, right? This doesn't do anything for this back here. Um, but lo and behold, that, there she is, right? She's taking the pictures. And it just got me, it got me thinking. It got me thinking about the type of culture we are today, right? Um, and, and even me, I mean, here I am. Um, I'm in the gym, so I'll, I'll look better, right? And be healthier. Um, but I don't want to be that person. And, and if you're in here tonight, I'm sorry, um, but let's pray for you. Um, but th- this is just a picture of who we are. Um, and so I-, I wanted to talk about death to self t- tonight um, that-, that we become unchained, right? Unhinged from us. Um, because in, in addiction, it's, it's a very self-centered, selfish thing. Um, if our marriage is broken, oftentimes somebody is being selfish and self-centered, right? Um, with um, unhealthy parenting situations, it's, it's a self-centeredness, a selfishness. A lot of the things in our culture can be tied back to this, right? Where we have not um, let go of who we are. We haven't surrendered it. And we have to learn to die to self right? To, to kill off the old nature, the old man, the old woman, or, or what have you. And as I was preparing, as you guys know, I'm a numbers person. I like numbers. I like statistics. So I looked up some um, on, on selfie. Um, and I got a question here. Who in here has a selfie uh, on their phone right now? I feel like there's a lot of liars in here. It's okay. We're in church. Let's not be liars. Um, and so The the actual word selfie is believed to have originated in Australia in 2002, which I thought was interesting. That's not very old. I had a Jameson moment right there, kind of. You hear that? I heard that. You heard that, right? Um, The worship team knows what's going on with that one. Um, In Australia in 2002, a man shared a picture of himself in an online form to document an injury to his face after a drunk fall on some stairs. Um, And that probably accounts for like 50% of the selfies to this day. Um, But I thought that, so 2002, it's not even an old thing. I looked up more, but uh, 92 million selfies are taken every day. 92 million selfies are taken every day, accounting for 4%. Of all the photos taken, 2.3 billion um, photos were taken daily. So 4% of those are selfies. Over 50% of millennials have published a selfie at least once. I'm guilty of that. And I don't like to admit that. I don't like to admit, first off, that I'm a millennial. Um, and, and second, I don't like to admit that I've ever taken a selfie, but I have. Um, and sadly enough, I encourage you guys to take selfies every week. Um, <laughs> Over 95% of young adults have taken a selfie. Um, So when I asked who in here has taken a selfie and like half of you raised your hand, I know just by the numbers, you guys lied to me and I don't appreciate that. Um, Respondents to a Luster survey, I have no idea what that is, but I found it on the internet so it has to be legit, um, said they took an average of nine selfies a week um, and put the average amount of time needed at, at seven minutes. And we've all seen them. I've seen the girl at the gym, right? She's prepping for the perfect selfie. You got to have the lighting just right, the lips, you know, however you do that. You got you to gotta be there, right? My wife's incredibly embarrassed right now. Um, but so if you're talking about that seven minutes a week um, or seven minutes a picture, according to a study that adds up to 54 hours a year of taking selfies, 54 hours a year that some people fall. Now, here's the thing about this. Some would be more, some would be less. I get that. Um, but, but I know even me, I'm not like somebody who spends a lot of time doing that. And I don't take a lot of selfies, but it, it challenged me. Like, how much time do I spend focusing inwardly, whether it's a, a selfie or, or something else, right? And, and I'm not in those moments focusing on the people that God's placed in my circle. Um, I'm not engaging with my wife. I'm not engaging with my children. Um, I'm not engaging with God. If you were to add up all of those hours in a week that, that Aaron still just looks at Aaron, right? That, or, or you just look at you. What would they add up to? Because 54 hours in a year is pretty significant. That's more than the average work week. More than the average work week spent on something of this nature. And then we look at where we're at in our lives. Maybe it's our walk and you're not where you wanna be in your walk with God um, or with your marriage. Um, As a parent, uh, in your recovery, you continue to struggle um, or any of those things. And, And if you were to start to add up this amount of time, what difference, what kind of difference could you make? What kind of difference could God make through time devoted towards him in changing those things about you? And dealing with those things about you, it's crazy to think about. It's, it's not even humbling, it's just sad. <laughs> it challenges me so much. And so tonight is called Unchained Death to Self. And, and what we want to talk about is dying to self. Um, stepping away from that self-centered type of attitude um, to stop looking inwardly and to um, begin to focus upwardly, Right? Lord, what would you have me to do? Um, I, I loved, it was unplanned that we closed on new wine tonight because it's such a fitting anthem to, to what, what we need to do, what needs to take place in our lives, that that God has to become number one, and we are in a culture where we are we're so self-absorbed and self-proclaimed self-importance. And that's not at all what God says. He says, you know, the greatest among you will become last, right? humble servant. And we we fail to understand that and get that. And again, I'm one of the most guilty, one of the most guilty. I want to open up, um, if we can, with John. John chapter three. John is part of the gospels. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, And so the gospels tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And we're gonna talk just real briefly about a a particular individual, John the Baptist. Um, And so John, um, he was baptizing people, hence the name John the Baptist. Um, He was the cousin of Jesus um, and, and here we have this thing. Jesus has come on the scene. John has already baptized him, and in that moment of Jesus' baptism, ho- heaven opened up, right, and, and God declared, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. Holy Spirit, um, and, and like in the form of a dove or some type of revelation of such, lands on Jesus, and so and Jesus is on the scene with ministry, um, and here we have, it says, then Jesus and his disciples, this is later on, left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside. Jesus spent some time um, with them there, baptizing people. Whoa, Jesus must not have known that was John's game, um, but baptizing people. At this time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Annon and um, Salem Springs. Um, there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown into prison. A debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciple came to him and said, Rabbi, the man you met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, this is Jesus, who's also baptizing people, and everybody is going to him instead of coming to us. I mean, total turf war, right? Right there in the Judean desert. And so John replied, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah, I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the bridegroom's friend's uh, friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows therefore, see therefore, therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less and Though this particular context isn 't to do directly with our salvation. It's such a great picture of what should take place in our lives. Um, You know, here at Cedar Point Recovery, this is Christ-centered recovery, like truly, right? We want... I have an agenda. I want to disciple you. I want to introduce you to Jesus. If you're an atheist, I want um, to help you with that um, because I think you're wrong, right? If you're not a believer, if you're here to just get a court paper signed, um, I have an agenda, right? It's, um, it's to get you on my side and to show you and to teach you that Jesus is the only way to freedom, right? Um, to, to true recovery, um, that, that you've got to repent and turn from all these things. But in that, if it's Christ-centered and if it's truly Christ-centered, we have to latch on to this idea that, that John Had here. And and again, I want to say it. He said, he must become greater and greater. Say greater and greater. Greater. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. That that should take place in us as we step through these doors to pursue Jesus-centered recovery. It's it's less of us because lots of us. That gets us in, you know, the county bed and breakfast. That that gets us into divorce. That gets us into um, relationships where we're, you know, sex before marriage and all of these things. That's us. That's our agenda. That's not God's, but we have to become less and less. He has to become greater and greater. We have to surrender things to him. We have to place him first. We have to become unchained from, from who we are, who we were, and we've got to make him the center of everything. We have to die to self so we can be raised to new life in him. And so that's what we want to talk about tonight. That, that, that's, that's what we need to grasp onto is, is how do we die to sell? So how do we die to sell? If you have your Bibles, if you would um, flip uh, forward a couple of books to Romans chapter 12. Uh, Romans was written by the apostle Paul. Um, Paul was a guy who was Saul. He had an encounter with Jesus on the road to Damascus. And um, he was on his way to like uh, bring Christians out in chains, um, ultimately to their untimely death. And he had an encounter with Jesus, and he was transformed. And it was no longer um, Saul's agenda, right? Um, it was no longer about that. It was all about Jesus, and he becomes a believer and he shifts his mentality completely. Uh, he ends up writing um, two-thirds of our New Testament through these letters and, and things like that. And here we have one of them written to the church in Rome. And so Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because all that he has done. Let them be a living, say living, Amen. living and holy, say holy, sacrifice. I want to pause right there. So in light of what Jesus has done, that's the context. So you have to think what has Jesus done for you? Well, God's word tells us, you know, he's he's lived for us, he's died for us, right? He set us free. He's brought about salvation in our lives. That that's immensely significant right there. But maybe you've got a personal testimony. And I hope you do, right? Because that's that's like the meat and potatoes that that latches us on. That's our hope as believers. Me personally, he's, he's brought me out um, of, of a darkness of addiction. He's brought me a beautiful family and, and beautiful children. And, and he's blessed me. And not everything's perfect, but, but I can see God's hand upon my life. And, and you have to evaluate what has God brought you and done for you. Um, and out, even outside of the fact that he's brought you eternity in heaven. Um, and it says, I plead with you, give your bodies to God because of all he's done. And he says, let them be a living and holy sacrifice. Living means that there's a choice in it. And holy means that you're set apart. That's what holy means, set apart. But how can we be set apart in our sacrifice if we look exactly like everyone else? If you're doing recovery like the people who are doing recovery outside of the church, how are you set apart in anything? If your marriage and your relationships look like that of the world, I mean, how is your life operating as a living and holy sacrifice if it's not set apart? And the people that are outside of the church. So let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Then he goes on and says, don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. I'm gonna say it again. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world. If, if people do it outside of these walls, outside of the presence of God, that does not give us a pass to do the same. Why? Because we're meant to be a holy sacrifice. Set apart for God. Our lives are meant to be different, to look different. If the world chooses to live differently and justify it through laws and say, oh, it's perfectly okay, the, the Congress got together and they, they declared that we can live like this as Americans, guess what? That's not a free pass for us because we're a living, holy sacrifice set apart from God, not copying the customs or behaviors of this world. And so he goes on, do not copy the customs and behaviors of this world, but let God transform. Say transform. Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Like the room's gotten quiet. I know I'm stepping on some toes and I I want to, but I want you guys to engage tonight too. As I'm up here, I want you to know this challenges me. It challenges me at every turn. And and by no means am am I up here like I have it all together. This is something I struggle with all the time. Because I want so much, my flesh wants so badly to conform to the world, just like everyone else. How much easier would it be? But, but that's not what we're called to do. He says, this is truly the way to worship him, don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And I love that because that means it's not my strength. It's not my ability. It, it, it's God's. God does the work. But we just have to surrender to it, all Right. We just have to to humble ourselves before him. Let God change the way um, you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Not dull and boring and restrictive. Good and pleasing and perfect. But the lie that the world sells is that they're having all the fun. They got the best relationships. They're having the best sex. They're making the most money. All of those things. It's bullcrap. the the good, pleasing, perfect way comes from God. And we have these blinders on that say, no, if I surrender to God, I'm missing out. All my friends, man, I mean, he's sleeping with a new chick every weekend and, and that's gotta be the way to live. No, not at all. Well, they get to go to the casino and they get to blow all their money and party and drink and have that massive hangover every Sunday morning. I'm missing out. No, you're not, you're not. I've been down that road. I've been down both of those roads. The good and pleasing and perfect way is God's way that comes through surrender, that comes through allowing him to change the way that you think and act. He goes on. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you're better than you really are. Be honest with your evaluations of yourself. Look in the mirror. Look to God's word. Be honest about where you're at, measuring yourself by the faith that God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. As we come into the church, we have to let go of who we were, who we thought we are, all of those things. And we become part of the body. We, we set aside and lay aside all of us for all of him. Right? God, bring new wine out of me. And so die into yourself is denying yourself. Point number one is this, put to death your plans and desires. If you wanna die to self, put to death your plans and desires. They're crap anyways. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when is living life our way brought anything of fulfillment or fruit unless it lines up with God's will, right? And so let's just get it over with and let's just do the right thing. Remember, God's way is good and pleasing and perfect. So dying to yourself is denying yourself. Put to death your plans and desires. Um, has anybody in here ever cut deals with God? Um, I know when I started kind of experiencing like God wanted me to go into ministry um, and that was a whole ordeal, lots of things going on, whirlwind. I remember at one point um, kind of just like talking to God. I was like, all right, I'll do it, but I got to stay in Claremore, God. And, and I laid out all the reasons I had to stay in Claremore. Thank goodness, even when he's kept me in Claremore. Um, but Wherever he would call me is where I'd have to go, right? That's the reality. But even in that moment, um, I was just like, I'm trying to like work this deal. I feel it, God. I know what you want me to do. Um, but just in case you forgot, like I've got a baby mama in Claremore. I gotta stay here, you know, and I've got, I've got this going on. And, you know, my, my wife, she really likes the area. All, all of the things, right? And, and we try to cut deals. And it's, that's not what it's about. We're, we're not to make deals with God. We're, we're to do that evaluation, evaluate yourself, Look at God's word, discover truth in anything that does not line, anything that does not line up with God's word or God's desire for your life, get rid of it. Right? Get rid of it. Put to death your plans and desires. Because if you're holding on to something that's yours, you're gonna mess up what God's trying to do for you. You're gonna get in the way. You're going to get in the way, and then what's going to happen is you're going to get a few months down the road or a few years, and you're going to have screwed up what God was trying to do for you, and then you're going to blame God. Just get rid of your stuff. Surrender yourself. Die to self. Put to death your plans and desires. Let's turn to Luke chapter 9 as we look at point number 2. Luke chapter 9. Luke, again, it's part of the Gospels. you got Matthew, Mark, Luke. Um, So it's the third book of the New Testament, third of the Gospels. Um, It was written by Luke, who was a physician. And again, the Gospels tell about the life and the ministry of Jesus. And here we have Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Um, This is Jesus speaking. He says this, Then he said to the crowd, who said Jesus said then he said to the crowd if any of you want to be my follower you must say must yes. you must give up your own way whoa back the truck up right <laughs> got to give up my own way yeah it's in the text people like it's in there it's not for me you can be pissed off at me all night long at the things i'm saying but it's really just god's word and it's hard for me to swallow too sometimes i choke on it same as you I'm like, <laughs> God, what I got to give up my own way? What are you talking about here? But right here we have if you want to be my follower, you must. That doesn't sound like an option. If I tell my kids you must do something, guess what? They must do it. Dad's coming down on them, right? Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I said, and it's yes, sir, and you do it. And sometimes we cut deals, we run through scenarios with God in our mind, and we say, ah, yeah, God probably didn't mean that part right there, right? That it's probably totally cool that I just continue in, in this adulterous relationship or continue to, you know, get hammered drunk. It's only on Saturdays, right? I'm still going to church on Sundays and, and just giving over to lust and pornography and, and all of these things. That's totally cool because God didn't mean it seven days a week. His word only applies on certain days like Sunday. No, you must, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily. Say Daily. Take up your cross daily. Now, again, I've touched on this. Um, The cross is a place where things go to die. Um, And I know I bag on um, people with cross tattoos and hanging them off their rearview mirror and everything because we've made it into something it's not. We really have. It's a place of sacrifice. It's it's a place where things go to die. So if we were to take up our cross daily, that goes back to what we read in Romans where um, we... Offer ourselves up as a living and holy sacrifice, right? That's, it's uncomfortable. There, there's nothing comfortable about that. Nothing comfortable about it. But here it is. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. Again, if you give up your life for my sake, for Jesus' sake, you will save it. I look at my own life and um, it, is, it is wildly different than it used to be wildly different. And I'm not better than anybody. I'm not trying to gloat about anything. Um, I am still very much a messed up person in so many areas of my life, and I struggle so much. But I know this to be true, that anything I give to God is far better than I could ever imagine or ever do on my own. And when I go to him, I've gained so much. And I was convinced I would lose so much. He's brought me things that are beyond my understanding. And and this verse, man, these passages begin to take shape and to come to life when I I look at him through that lens. If you give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. I'm so grateful for the friends that I have today, the people I get to spend time with, my job, my family. But more than anything, I'm just grateful for the love of Jesus, the presence of God. That I get to spend time and moments with with a creator who took this broken vessel, this person who was wasting their life in addiction and he lifted me up and brought me out of the darkness and and did something with me. And I just think about that and I don't know about you, but it just makes me want to weep. Just, God, (laughs) thank you. If... You give up your life for my sake, you'll save it. He says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? What do you gain if you, you have every sexual conquest out there that, that you had your eyes on? What do you gain if you down every bottle of whiskey you've ever wanted to? Man, you found the end of every bottle. You smoked all the dope. Right, you. He did all the things. What? What what do you gain? What bit of joy or happiness has that ever brought? Brings nothing but heartache. What do you gain? What do you benefit if you gain the whole world but you yourself are lost or destroyed? If one, anyone is ashamed of me and my message, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in his glory. And in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. And so dying to self is a constant choice. And we must be willing to die daily. Every day I have to wake up. Sobriety is not a choice. Like I don't, I know some, get stuck in that mindset. Every day I got to choose to be sober. <laughs> to heck with that. Every day I got to choose to follow Jesus. That's my mindset. Every day I got to choose to, you know, have power over lust. No, every day I got to choose to follow Jesus. That that's where we miss it. That's the daily struggle. And I don't know where you're at, whether it's addiction or what have you, but the real choice, the real thing we've been called to is to die to ourselves every day. Remember living sacrifice. We walk up to the altar we lay ourselves down before God. We choose to be holy, set apart for him, and lay it all out there and say, God, I'm yours. Everything I have, everything I am, it's yours. We have to choose to die to ourselves daily. We have to choose it daily. If you would, turn with me to Romans 6. So we were in Romans earlier, right? Romans 12. That's where it all started, where you guys got ticked off at me. Um, we're going to go back to Romans. Romans 6, and we're going to look at point number 3. Um, says this in verse one. It says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? I'm gonna pause right there, all right? Should we keep sinning because God saved us? Should we keep just being in adulterous relationships and and living for lust and and getting high and doing this or that so God's grace can abound more? I've actually heard this from people. I'm a child of God. When when trying to address things in their life, Well, I'm saved and forgiven. Have you read your Bible? Like, Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of His wonderful grace? No, right? We have an obligation. Our our works don't save us, but we should change. Listen, I still get angry at people out there. And I did something that looked like mugging somebody like a week ago. And I'll tell you the story offline. I don't want it on camera. Um, And... (laughs) I'm telling you, like the old hood Aaron came out and all the bystanders that were sitting around watching this go down probably thought about calling the police. That's not okay, right? Like we have to begin to set those things aside. We got to, we have to change. We can't. I love Don's not here. Don Long's not, but her husband Bruce is. And I love what she says. We don't live that way no more, right? We don't live that. We've got to Stop and change, and surrender, and wholly pursue the things of God. He says, well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ, Jesus, in baptism, we were joined with him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we may also live new lives. What a powerful, powerful word from the almighty God, right? This like, we don't have to, it's not only that we don't live that way, we don't have to live that way anymore. We're not supposed to live that way anymore. We're supposed to accept what God's given. And we gotta, in order to do that, You got to die to self, right? You got to die to self. And it goes on, it says, since we've been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to new life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin for we died with Christ. We were set free from the power of sin. Again, for when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin, if you're, if you're a believer, like if you're doing recovery, the Christ-centered way, which is surrendered to Jesus, the, the beautiful promise is this. You don't have to get up and choose to be sober every day, right? Because you're dead to that life. You just have to get up and choose to follow Jesus. That, that's beautiful. What, what a beautiful place to be, right? I'm so grateful that I don't struggle in, in substance abuse anymore, that God's going God's to work. Now, I struggle with following Jesus. I mean, sometimes that's harder than it should be. But we have to allow that life to die. And point number three is this, be done with it. Bury the old nature, right? It said back there, it said, for we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. We bury the old nature. Um, When you bury things, like you're done with it, right? Um, I remember, you know, we had... A dog—I uh, can't remember if it was ours or one my dad just put down for the neighbors—but <laughs> he was done with it, and so yeah, you guys got it. Um, and he—we buried it. Why? To get rid of evidence, and because we were done with it, right? You don't bury things that you're not through with. We have to—we're buried. We were buried with Christ, right? Old nature buried, laid to rest laid to rest, we were buried with Christ. We have to bury our old nature. Romans 8, so just a couple chapters forward, 8, 12 through 14, it says this. Um, it says, therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. I'm gonna read that again. You have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You're not, you're not obligated to keep going back to your old nature. It's a choice. Once Christ has set us free, which happens at salvation, it's a choice to keep going back to it. It says, for if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the spirit, you put to death, the the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So this isn't the pet cemetery. Guys, all right, where you buried the sinful nature and it came back to haunt you, right? But that's not what takes place here. We choose that. We choose that. That's not God's word. It shouldn't be coming back over and over to bite you. If you give it to God, let God handle it. Let God take power over it. It's, it's, it's a sanctification that takes place. I mean, God changes the way that we think as we surrender to Him. He renews our thoughts, our minds, our attitudes. We, Become more like Christ. Remember the words of John. I must become less and less so he can become more and more. And when we begin to live our lives like this, when you begin to surrender like this and give it all to him, things begin to change dramatically and drastically. I want us to do something a little out of the ordinary tonight. Um, Right where you're at, Right where you're at, I want you to stand to your feet. Everybody that can stand. If you can stand, if you're able-bodied, I want you to stand to your feet. I I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to just begin to spend a moment with God. I want you to begin just to think about areas of your life where it's not more and more of Jesus. It's just been more and more of you. Right, that, that you haven't surrendered, you haven't laid it down, that you haven't done any of these things, just right where you're at, I want you to just begin to think about your life personally. What is God trying to speak to you about? Eyes still closed. I want to share a couple passages with you. Second Timothy two eleven says this. Um, This was Paul speaking to Timothy. He said, "This is a trustworthy saying. If we die with him, we will also live with him. If we die with him, we will also live with him." So think about those areas that you haven't allowed to be buried with Christ, because without the death, without the burial, without the surrender, where's the resurrection? Where's the new life? So many of us come into this relationship, come into recovery to pursue Jesus, and we're dragging around that old, <laughs> old corpse with us, carrying it on our backs, asking God, why, why are things not changing? Again, if we, if we die with him, we will also live with him. In Revelation uh, 3, 15 through 16, it says this, I know all the things you do, you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were one or the other. But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And it just speaks to the, the choice we have. God's not okay with indifference. It's not okay to ride the fence, to try to play both sides. You're either pursuing God or you're on the side of the enemy. And, and we have to begin just to surrender and choose are we gonna continue to seek relationships our way? Are we gonna continue to do finances our way, raise our children our way, or are we gonna do it God's way? You were neither hot nor cold, so I spit you out. And lastly, Matthew 10, verse 37 through 39, Jesus was speaking. He says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. And so right now I'm gonna ask something very bold from everybody in the room because I think there's an element of this that applies to all of this. I'm not excluded where I've held on to my life And it's slipping through my fingers. I'm losing it. I'm refusing to take up my cross and and follow God and surrender these things. And so if that's you, if you've been in in a place where you've held on to your life, you've held on to things your way, and you realize that tonight is tonight where you're going to set it down, where you're going to lay it down. I want you to do this. I want you to step out of your seat. And I want you to come down front. We're not going to do anything weird. Just as a moment, as an act of surrender, begin to step out of your feet and find yourself at the altar of God. Just right now in this moment, begin to to come before him and just stand. Stand before him and say, God, there's going to be less of me and more of you. God, less of me and more of you. Again, it says, if you refuse to take up your cross and follow me. You're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to my life, cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. So again, if you're ready, I wanna encourage you right now in this moment just to step forward. Thank you. Just begin to step forward. Stand with us. Allow us to pray for you. Just be present before God. If you cling to your life. If you, if you hold on to the things that he's speaking to you about right now. You're not saving anything. You're not fooling anyone. This isn't about me. It's about you and God. Begin to step forward and say, God, I'm ready to lay it at your feet. I'm ready to put it all out there. Just as an act of surrender, an act of moment, begin to Come forward. Father God, we thank you, Lord. God, I thank you for every individual in this room, Lord. And and I just pray, God, that those that you're speaking with right now, God, that they would push aside embarrassment, that they would push aside any shame or any of those things, and, and they would allow God to move in their life. They would allow you to move, Father. That they would come forward and say, less of me and more of you. Less of me and more of you. And I just thank you, Lord. Thank you for speaking to us and moving in this room tonight as we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so as we're down front, um, again, I, I want us to do this. If, if you're in here tonight and, and you want to pick up a white chip, we want you to come forward for that, right? If, if, there's, if there's something that you need prayer for, just begin to come down in this moment of, of surrender to God. And say, God... <laughs> More of you and less of me. More of you and less of me. Father, we just thank you. God, I thank you for those that are down front, God, that have surrendered to you, to your plan, to your purpose. God, we thank you for this moment. God, we thank you for this surrender. I thank you for all that you do, all that you're doing. If you need prayer for anything, if you're ready to surrender in salvation, again, come forward. Allow us to pray with you. Allow us to pray for you. Just begin to to set it, set it aside, lay it down and allow God to move. So we begin just closing tonight. We're gonna go ahead um, and we're just going to close with one more song. Just allow this song to just be lifted up to, Lord, to the Lord in worship. Give it your all. And just say, Father, I'm yours, all that I am.